Good news, everyone! This is Kevin Satorius from the podcast Nerds on Film, sharing with you the other awesome podcast of our Nerdonomy family, Nerds on History, where a bunch of nerds discuss a variety of topics, like the popular conspiracy theories of the 20th century, or the origin of Santa Claus, or even the evolutionary differences between Neanderthals and Homo sapiens. Come join us for a rousing and surprisingly educational discussion with your hosts, Eric the Brick, Brickmont, and Brian. I'll get you Sherlock Holmes Moriarty. Hope you enjoy. You're listening to Nerds on Film with Brian Moriarty, David McGuire, Sarah Ashley, and Kevin Satorius. All right, so guys, um, welcome back from the break, first of all. It's, it's great to be here with you guys. Um, in preparing for tonight's episode, I thought I, I came up with a brilliant, brilliant question for you guys, because I'm very interested to hear. Lay it on us. All right, Go you guys ahead. ready? Mm-hmm. What is your favorite movie soundtrack? Oh. There are so Damn. many good ones to choose from. I know, right? Wait, wait, wait. Are we talking, like, hmm. orchestral or just, like, piecemeal together? So, I'm, I'm glad you asked this question because in preparing for this episode and this question, I couldn't, for the life of me, come up with a movie soundtrack that is compiling, you know, songs from other artists uh, that I could think of that I really, really, really liked. So, I will leave it open to orchestral or movie soundtracks. Okay. Okay. This is tough. I really, re- so I have probably several favorites because, again, as we know, I cannot pick a singular favorite. One of my all-time favorites. Because you're indecisive, that's sh- why. Whatever, I'm allowed to be. It's my prerogative. It's my prerogative. Um, it's also uh, your character flaw, but that's okay. Jeez, just keep digging that knife into her, Brian, whoa. for God's sakes. <laughs> really? I think I have worse character flaws than indecisiveness. Um, Moulin Rouge is probably one of my favorites. Understandably, Okay. Just because I'm, why well, I love that movie. I adore that movie. So I, I maybe I should probably, maybe we should rule out musicals because that kind of makes it tough. Because no, no, because it's still a soundtrack. Musical soundtracks are important because if I mean the songs are in service of the story, they help tell the story. Yes, right. So I mean it may be a little more um, on the nose than uh, an orchestral score may be. But so then again, so could be and what we think of as a standard soundtrack when you have a compilation of songs. Okay. Mm, okay. Yeah, Kevin, do you have any favorites? Well, again, it was very difficult for me to come up with something, so I came up with a three-way tie that is, like, spread. <laughs> she said three-way. Yeah, we, we love three-ways around here. <laughs> oh, absolutely. So I came Gentlemen. up with a three-way tie across three completely different movies. Okay. One of which... Uh, the first one is the Curious George soundtrack by Jack Johnson. That oh. is one of five CDs that I own, by the way. Okay. The second being 500 Days of Summer. That Oh, my God. That great is one. a good one. It's a great soundtrack. That is a great one. And I got to tell you, um, I was never into that type of music literally until I moved to California. Freaking Regina Spector. Freaking Regina Spector. Love the opening of that song. I, that's yes. the only song from that soundtrack I have, but I love that song. Oh, I uh, contagious. Oh, yeah. it's it's such a good soundtrack. Well, and then she my also last has, one, um, us. Is it called us? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Contagious is just one of the one of the the words, the words that, that yeah. she uses. Yeah. yeah. Um, for me. It, Wait, hold on. I haven't said my third. Fine. Sorry. The soundtrack from Watchmen. Proceed. Oh, from Watchmen. Watchmen has a, is brilliant because it uses time 
uses yeah. different um, songs from different eras. Songs to, from eras, exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's the whole point. Yeah, it's, it, and that's just that's the genius of it. Absolutely. Yes. So that was my three-way tie, the best I could come up with. Okay. Yeah, The Graduate, also a very good soundtrack. Of course, yeah. Ooh, Simon and Garfunkel. Oh, yeah. Of course, of course. Absolutely. Classic, classic. For me, I, I know David would appreciate this. Um, Garden State. Yeah, absolutely. There were so many songs from that that ended up changing the genre of music. Mm-hmm. You know, it changed the trend of pop music toward indie. Maybe it didn't t- change the trend altogether, but it, it definitely influenced the sound of, of pop uh, alternative music, I would say. Uh, Pulp Fiction, Reservoir Dogs. <gasps> Both of those have really, really good soundtracks, but that's yeah. kind of to be expected for a Tarantino film. Because yeah, he has course. such r- really good taste in music. He really opinion. does. He's yeah. always got this knack for these old, tiny-sounding... But I also like how he uses these kind of uh, retro-sounding orchestral moments because uh, he does that with with Django Unchained. He does that yeah, with. Yeah. Uh, I want to say he does it in Kill Bill for for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, he doesn't do really do it in Pulp Fiction, but he I think Jackie Brown too. Oh, Jackie Brown, yeah. absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Um, if musicals are allowed, I'm yes, also going to say I will allow them. <laughs> They're Thank allowed. you, sir. Like, you were the absolute judge. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. I brought the motherfucking question to the motherfucking table. He did, indeed. Um, I would have to say Singing in the Rain. It's probably one of my favorites. Oh. See, my favorite song in that is uh, You Are Meant for Me. Oh, really? Yeah, I love My that. favorite is Good Morning, Good Morning. We talked so, the whole night through. through. Good morning, good morning to you. Yeah. <laughs> I love You Were Meant for Me because he's singing it to Debbie Reynolds. He's, he's intending to sing it really to his... It's, it, was, it was written for the woman who was his real-life girlfriend, yes. right? And I just love that moment of dramatic irony where mm-hmm. they're falling in love. And yeah. yet it's not quite overt yet, but you, mm-hmm. can, you can tell that that's the direction it's going in. Yeah. It's just a beautifully crafted moment. Oh, I'm just going to also put this out there. Uh, the soundtrack from Drive. Oh, oh Drive is a yeah. great soundtrack. Yeah, that's a really good one. So good. So good. Yeah. Back to old timey. Yes, please. Breakfast at Tiffany's. Moon River. Classic. Good choice. Oh, Absolutely. Classic. Yeah. So perfect. Yeah, I'm a little sick of the song. Oh uh, no, I don't get sick of that song. Uh, there is a so I was I was working backstage at a play recently uh, a couple uh, months ago, and the play takes place in the '60s, mm-hmm. and so they use Moon River as one of the the songs as background, for one like one of these cocktail parties. So I had to hear it every night. Oh. So I got real tired of it. All right. Sure, well, sure. I, I guess I can see that. Yeah. All right, understandable. Um, also, putting this on the table, the Little Miss Sunshine, shout, Little Miss oh, Sunshine the opening soundtrack. song to that movie yeah. is brilliant. Yeah, and I love that it's in that Directv commercial now that they use for yeah. the for the uh, for the uh, old mother. Uh, who, who's the nursery rhyme? A person lives in a boot. There yeah. was an old woman who lived in a shoe. She had so many kids, she didn't know what to do. There you go. It's interesting because when I remember watching that movie. I never thought of that song as being whimsical, but yet when you apply it to that visual, mm-hmm. it is totally whimsical. Oh, totally! It, yeah. it works really, really well. Works beautifully. Um, one that I guess a lot of maybe not a lot of people listen to because it didn't get the hype, but the soundtrack for the Muppets uh, <gasps> leading up to the Muppets movie that had all these famous bands singing Muppet songs. Yeah, um, that was good. Unreal! It was so was well good. done. Mm-hmm. Especially if you're a Muppets fan, of course. Especially. Yeah. Like me? Um, Also going to put this out there because although both of these movies are soundtracks, they're both from very well-known electro uh, company, or not companies, electro bands. The Daft Punk soundtrack to Tron Legacy Mm -hmm. and the M83 soundtrack to Oblivion. 
both. Oh, come on, dude. I didn't see Oblivion yet, but I loved... <sighs> I'm not a big fan of Daft Punk, I'll be honest with you. <sighs> the um, Daft Punk soundtrack to, to Tron was awesome. It, and, it I'm was not, and I'm not yes. into that. I'm not, I wasn't even that much and into the I'm Tron I'm just going to say, not that we're going nerds on music for a second, but I love Random Access Memories. That, that song, Get Lucky, is... Mm-hmm. Off the hook. And I don't even like using the term off the hook, but it's you're, off the hook. You're mm. very white. I know. My white is totally <laughs> It's seeping. <laughs> it is. You're Caucasian yeah, and sugar. Is totally, that, that, that song is totally off the hook. Off the chain. Oh, no. There it goes. I'm liking <laughs> I'm dying here. Um, for those that are fans of the British uh, gangster films, Snatch. Snatch yeah. has a great soundtrack. It does. In it fact, does. there's one song from uh, the Snatch soundtrack. <laughs> snack the snatch soundtrack uh called golden brown by the stragglers uh i listen to that at least three times a week mm-hmm. it's just it's completely it just works so well interesting to note the porn version of that movie has the exact same name oh my god ryan <laughs> <laughs> vagina <laughs> Good to see we haven't we've, we've matured in the three weeks we were gone. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and with that, folks, welcome to Nerds on Film. I'm Brian Moriarty. I'm Sarah Ashley. And I am Kevin Sutorius. Well, I do need to wrap this up, though. Okay. Here is one of my absolute all-time favorite in regular rotation on my iPod, Empire Records. Oh, man. Had to say it. Such a good... It. You know what my favorite song in that is? It's the Sponge song at the end. Oh. And, and the man, save the empire. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. I run to that song, actually. Oh, really? It, oh, absolutely, yeah. That's oh, on my cardio sure. mix, totally. Um, nice. No, featuring, like, Gin Blossoms, Till I Hear It love From You. Gin Blossoms, great, too. Great, great, great song. See, that movie. The Cranberries. Oh, yes. I love the Cranberries. If I could <laughs> sing like her, I'd be very happy. I could die happy. You, you see the smile on my face right no, now, No, absolutely, right? absolutely. You see, um, Better ahead. Than Ezra. Is oh, on there. Man. Circle of Friends. Oh, God, I love that, that song. Right. Love, love, love that song. And the band uh, of the Chris Allen movie. Yeah. Uh, Edwin Collins, A Girl Like You. Never had a girl like you before. And that fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. Fucking awesome. Yes. Yep. And um, interestingly enough, if you get the soundtrack and not the movie soundtrack, Sugar High, which is, you know, the song that they sing when they're on top of the right, It has Rain Zellweger singing in it. Yeah. Right. If you listen to the, the released movie soundtrack, it has a different version of Sugar High, yeah. which is filthy. Absolutely filthy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, please, please, for us that have not heard this song, and, define uh, filthy. And, and Renee Zellweger doesn't sing the second verse. No, 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 no. Yeah. Renee Zell, it's it's just Coyote Shivers, who was yeah. who acted in the movie was it was him, um, the guitar player. Yeah, I think she just backup, but that's not. But she doesn't have. No, a, it's so not even backup in that. Ru- oh, really? No, okay. it's just him. He was a musician separately, and I think they just tailored the song for. Gotcha. Uh, this, it wouldn't but, be um, a '90s movie if they didn't try to fit in a, a music. Right, rock right. Star um, no, it, it, with lines like. Um, I get this funny feeling deep inside when I lick between your thighs. Yeah. Woo! It was filthy. Woo, that is yeah. pretty filthy. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. But it was really good. It's, it's, again, it's, it's great. a great song. It's absolutely great. And, you know, that, well, we should, like I said, I, I've, been, I'm, I've been trying to hold myself back because I know we want to get to some other stuff first, but I, I couldn't agree more. That's one of my favorite movies plus soundtracks at the same yes, time. Yes, absolutely. Completely agree. Yes. And I love how you're both, you and I are both grinning right now because we just, it, it's our childhood. It speaks to our childhood. Yeah. I remember watching that shit 
constantly mm-hmm. on VH1 when it was playing movies that rock. <laughs> I yeah. love that. Nice. Well, yeah. I'm just going to put this out there. Um, I still haven't seen it yet. Get the fuck out of this room right now. You just get the hell right out. Ladies and gentlemen, it's been real. (laughs) Kevin was fired from Nerds on Film that day. (laughs) I I do apologize, dear listeners, but I am very excited to hear about this uh, with fresh ears from my fellow nerds, so... Well, that's good. Maybe we'll inspire you to go watch it. Well, considering that it's on Amazon Prime Instant... uh, Consider it done. Yeah, I was a little Fair disappointed enough. that it wasn't on Netflix streaming. I looked for it. You have to add, you have to put it in your But queue. before we get to that, mm-hmm. first of all, welcome back, guys. Yes. We were gone for three and a half weeks. You guys wouldn't have known, wouldn't have known that because you heard me and my brother talk about Superman for the past two weeks. And so it's good to actually have us back. We needed a little bit of a break, and I'm glad that we we're back doing what we love. And uh, just the buzz in the room right now, other than the hum that we were dealing with earlier, <laughs> I know, right? Uh, is really, really awesome. Before we get launch into tonight's topic, though, you had some feedback you wanted to share with us, right? I do right? have some listener feedback. Yeah, absolutely. Corrections and feedback, yeah! Okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, this one uh, came to us on June 5th. Sorry, it's taken us a while. Um, hey, nerds, Christian again. I just heard my email read online, and I have to say thank you, exclamation point. That's the first time an email I have written to a podcast was read online. And secondly, I'm 18 and on my way to college, so I feel better for you listening to the podcast, knowing that you're legal. Um, now I must get back to <laughs> now I must get back to writing my senior paper while beating off zombies, evil time lords, and bad Taylor Swift songs Can I just with say my that crutches. You almost didn't finish that sentence the first time you read. It to I know us. the first time I read that sentence is now I must get back to writing my senior paper while beating off. <laughs> Zombies. <laughs> um, that things when not to take a breath when you're doing out loud. <laughs> That was pretty funny. Um, yeah. Uh, beating off zombies, evil time lords, and bad Taylor Swift songs with my crutches. Parentheses, mild cerebral palsy for the win. Christian. Thank you very much, Christian. Appreciate the feedback. We and love rock that. on, man. Yeah. yeah. Rock yeah. on with your bad self beating exactly. off zombies. With, with I mean, crutches that must be difficult since they're trying to bite you and everything. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know if they would get much gratification out of that. <laughs> Sorry, I, I, I'm so There's sorry this, I had to okay, take it there. Okay, here's the thing. If you guys are writing into us, choice of words, know that we will take every opportunity to make a dirty joke of it. Absolutely. We, we, we can't miss up an opportunity like that. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> That's freaking awesome. I have two more. Oh, I know. And I have one more that I want to share, too. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. And I have no more. Boom, 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 boom. Boom, boom, boom. Way to make it about you, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> this is all of us. This is for all of us to share. I know. I'm, I'm messing with you. Okay. Uh, this one came to us on June 6th. Subject, I was just re-listening to Falcor's Not a Dog and dot dot dot. Hi again, Sarah, parentheses, and the boys, of course. But you guys got parentheses, so fuck you. (laughs) Damn! Who who is this who has been writing us? Steven. Steven. Oh, oh yes, Mr. Steven. Yes. Yes. As an Australian, I'm keen to hear what you think of the Australian film industry, past and present, of course. I've just watched Daybreakers and would love to hear what you think. You could probably expand that into the foreign film market if you wanted to. Huh. Can I just say that I love that we have such a great international audience, but yet domestically we... We're like, meh. <laughs> we're like, eh. Like, but our like, own friends don't listen to us. <laughs> I feel like if we were to like, go to Ireland or Australia or England and we say, oh, we're from Nernonomy, like, you're from Nernonomy. It'd be like the fucking Beatles, dude. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Um, 
Australian film industry. That's really kind of awesome. I yeah. I feel like aside from Baz Luhrmann and Priscilla Queen of the Desert, I may not have as much experience with Australian film. I've got two words for you: uh-huh. dead calm. Oh, I don't Philip, think I've seen Philip that. Noyce, who is, um, which is kind of funny because when you say you think I'm saying nice, but it's just, it's his name is actually Noyce. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he's Noyce. an Australian exactly. He's an Australian <laughs> oh, film director. Noyce. Uh, and Dead Calm was his first major film done in Australia with Nicole Kidman. Oh, okay. And Sam Neill, uh-huh. uh, who, of course, is also Australian. Yeah. And Billy Zane. But he also has done, gone on to do big movies like The Fugitive. Mm. Uh, um, wait, 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 wait. Uh, Clear and Present Danger. And Patriot uh, Games. The Adjustment uh, Bureau. The Adjustment Bureau was his most recent work. Yeah. He did uh, pretty much, he did the first, he did the, the Harrison Ford Jack Ryan movies. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Wait, wait, wait. He really did The Fugitive? Uh, I think it was the fugitive. Maybe, maybe I'm, I'm looking this up him. because that's awesome. If he did, if he, he may not have done the fugitive. He also did the saint mm. uh, with Val Kilmer. No, I might have just gotten confused because of the actor. But he did for sure did Patriot Games and Clear and Present Danger. Oh, that's all good. Uh, it, that's even with possible, possibly the, some of the, those films mixed up. That's such a great repertoire. Man. Yeah, and he's based at, and his first film was a foreign film. His first major major work, rather, that got him recognized. All right, was a so I think film. we do definitely have a topic there. We oh, certainly do. Holy crap! He did the movie Salt. Yes, he did do the movie Salt. Yeah. Okay. He's right. good at like uh, spy thrillers. That's, mm. that's what he's really good at. Awesome. Yeah. It looks like I made a mistake. He did not do the Adjustment Bureau. Who who did then? I'm going to look that up next. Uh, he also did The Bone Collector. Oh, right. So he likes Angelina Jolie then. I, I guess so, yeah. yeah. And it works. Yeah, 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 indeed. So, Stephen, I think we should take up in your challenge. We'll, mm-hmm. we'll formulate uh, a plan. We're adding plan. it to the list. Yes. We have a few list. others to get through. Yeah. <laughs> we <laughs> have a lot of really good topics from fans that we're, to we're trying to make least. our way indeed. through. Yeah, absolutely. All right. And last one that I have... From good old Aunt Teresa. Oh, uh, Teresa. Teresa, Hi. For we, those of we you, heart you so much. <laughs> for those of you who are not familiar, Aunt Teresa is Eric Brickmont's aunt. Eric being co-host of Nerds on History with Brian. She and uh, Kyla are like at war for who is the number one fan of her podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So she wrote me this email on June 9th. Says, hello, Sarah. Just got caught up on Nerds on Film and wanted to say how much I enjoyed listening to the podcasts. I saw the Nerd Star... I saw the new Star Trek twice, and I loved it. Tell my picky nephew to get over it. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> that being yeah, Eric. Yeah, buddy. Absolutely. Who is, like, the biggest Trekkie ever. I love ever. how Eric, like, laughed out loud when he heard that, He too. did. He did, indeed. Um, I have to agree with you about Benedict Cumberbatch. I loved him in Sherlock, but after seeing him in Star Trek, he reached my highest level of hotness. Does not have to say anything, just stand there with his shirt off. (laughs) 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 Oh, this is a woman after my own heart. Um, In the past, I have had others who reached the same level of hotness, Tommy until he went wacko, and Johnny in Chocolat, but has now gotten boring with doing the same character over and over. Could not agree more. Move over, Tommy and Johnny. There is a new boy in town. Not only does Benedict Cumberbatch have the coolest name ever, he has the accent, body, brains, and the hair. But what do I call him? Benny? Cummy? (laughs) 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 They both don't sound right. Any suggestions? I know. I'm a big fan fan of Cummy. (laughs) (laughs) Are you? Are you a fan? (laughs) Um, I'm pretty sure my suggestion is... It's a very interesting conversation, that's for sure. I'm pretty sure my suggestion is just, hey, with a snap. On a new topic... We're going to give that two snaps in a circle. Oh, Oh, snap. (laughs) 
<laughs> on a new topic, I was surprised when I listened to the podcasts on disaster movies and movies with sequels that should not have happened that Tremors was She's not mentioned. She's going back to our earlier episodes. Yeah, wow. those are back. Um, that Tremors was not mentioned. It is the worst. Oh. I know, right? Oh. I like. I hate myself for forgetting that because I love the first Tremors, absolutely. Yeah. Classic Kevin Bacon. Come yep. on now. It is the worst slash best campiest family favorite movie ever. Yep. I just ordered the Tremor Pack, all four, from Amazon for seven ninety nine. Yes, excellent. We need to do an episode on craptacular movies. Yeah, yeah, we really do. We totally we do. We really do. Up to this point, we had them only on VHS. I would like to hear the nerds' opinion on these movies. Lastly, my daughter just turned me on to the Big Bang Theory. Do you all watch it? I've been watching for the first season. I think all of you. Uh, I think of all of you when I watch it. I don't know why. Keep up the great job, Aunt Teresa. Oh, well, thank you. I like to think that we're a little more socially apt than the characters in that show. Some of us are, and have a better wow. uh, funny <laughs> bone. Sarah, your implication was quite cutting and clear. Um, I, I watched the show a little bit. I will say that I'm a little annoyed with Sheldon because Sheldon is just this total. He never learns. Mm-hmm. He never learns, and he, he is so socially inept at times. And it's funny, but only to a degree. Uh, to be honest with the show, I, I find Leonard the most interesting character of the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Penny, of course. Penny is the good comic relief. Uh, well, really, there is no comic relief, because it's all a sitcom. She's the one person who's kind of like the surrogate for the audience. Talking about, She kind of calls them on their, on their whole ridiculousness. Mm-hmm. But pretty much Howie and Sheldon, are, and Leonard, I should say, are the only characters I really care about. Yeah. Uh, I think in the first season, it didn't it kind of take a while for them to actually get a good, solid, like, nerd girl that wasn't, like, a total bitch? And, and it took a while for that to happen, I Penny think. Penny was in from the first episode. Penny being the blonde girl, right? Yes. She's not a nerd. That's yeah. the point. She There was no, like, good but nerd female you representative mean, you mean for a while. Bialik, uh, being on as uh, Amy Farrah Fowler. Yeah. Yeah, show, who is Sheldon's girlfriend now. Yeah, absolutely. And then they also have uh, Bernadette, who is Howie's wife, uh, who, uh, who who they've written in now sounds just like his mother when she yells. Yeah. So, Howard! Like, she sounds like that when she yells. And now the nerds don't know whether it's her right. or his mother. Right. I think it just, there's something about that show that, in theory, I think I should like it a lot more than I actually do. Same. Something about the execution of it. Um, maybe it's just too sitcom y, and I, I don't really watch a whole heck of a lot of sitcoms aside from How I Met Your Mother. So, yeah. For me, uh, this is not a slight against you at all, Aunt Teresa, but I got to tell you, I cannot stand that show. I cannot get past five minutes of it only because it seems so forced to me. Um, it seems that it's a bunch of people writing about nerds for people who are not nerds to understand nerds, and therefore being a nerd is not funny to me. Yeah. I do sense a little bit of that, too. I find, though, that it has grown on me a little bit, just having it on. Uh, my my roommates turn it on when we're uh, you know, and on the early evening, so it's... It's just, it's kind of been in the background, and I've I've kind of grown used to it at this point. I wouldn't say necessarily I love the show, but I've grown tolerant of it. I think my um my sister in law's friend from high school writes for that show. She used to write for How I Met Your Mother, and what? Then, yeah, she used to write for How I Met Your Mother, and then she went and um dis- uh, and changed to write for Big Bang Theory, and then when she moved over to Big Bang Theory, that's when they run it one Emmy. Oh. Wow. <laughs> Props to her. Yeah, I know, right? How awesome is that? I think she said that actually the Big Bang Theory um, writer's room was a little bit more welcoming to women than How I Met Your Mother, which is kind of disappointing to hear. That is disappointing to hear because I know the co-creator of How I Met Your Mother. 
Oh, really? And I was invited to... I can't speak to this. I'm all hearsay. <laughs> well, I was invited to uh, filming while I was in Southern California in school. Uh, Shut up, and door. I never went. Why? Mm. I don't know. You could have met Neil Patrick Harris, dude. I know. I could have met all these been people. Legend. Wait for it. Dairy. <laughs> um, now, the funny thing is, uh, the co-creator, his name's Carter Bays, um, I know his mom because uh, I grew up in the same town as them, and uh, all the Cleveland references, I oh, love yeah. them. Yeah. I love them because they make fun of Cleveland, and they love Cleveland at the same time, mm-hmm. and I'm still bummed to this day that I never got to go on set to visit and say hello. Um, but hey, I love that show. All right, Brian, you said you got some feedback? I do. I have one more. This is from Andy. Andy uh, was one of our f- folks that we interviewed during the Man of Steel oh, yeah. premiere. yeah, yeah. Hi, Andy. Uh, he was one of the dudes wearing the Man of Steel uh, shirt. Like yes. the one that was branded for the movie. Like like the one that I was wearing? Yes, indeed. Yes, yes. Nerd status, 5.0. <laughs> Although I usually despise hearing my own recorded voice, you guys run a really good podcast. Keep up the good work, Andy. It was very wow. simple. We yeah. run a good Thank podcast. That's, Damn. That's a solid compliment. Yeah, exactly, right? Boy, I feel fulfilled in life all of a sudden. <laughs> There you go. You can That's now awesome. die. Thank you, Andy. We're waiting. <laughs> Is that the noise you're going to make when you die? Uh, hey, uh, it's a better noise than, like, you know, a long fart or a burp <laughs> or something. <laughs> so, first of all, we've now done two Nerds on the Street segments. And that we actually finally got feedback from one of the people we interviewed. Mm-hmm. That was really cool. Yeah. Um, Thank you again, do, Andy. Do we want to take um, just a minute to talk about our experience with Man of Steel, or do we want to save that for another episode? We have to save that for another episode. You think so? I know so. Yeah. Yeah. And there's been a lot of debate about it right now, so maybe we need, yeah. need to let the fires settle down a little bit. It hasn't bit. even been a week since it's come out uh, from our time of recording, so I would say... Postpone for laters. Fair enough. I can I can hold to that. But if you want to hear Kevin's opinion on it, yeah. his review you're, you're is up review, on the blog. Right? Oh, it, it, it has been written, and it is being submitted, and no, it is it's, going it's live. No, it's up now. It is up live now? Yeah. It was, <gasps> you can go to Deuteronomy.com. As of the time of recording, it's been up for 10 hours. Wunderbar. There you go. So you can read Kevin's review, uh, which was probably glowing, I imagine. Oh, you'll see. Just go you'll to com, and it's pretty much spoiler-free. Pretty much. I, I, I worked really hard to yeah, keep you, it spoiler free. You did a pretty good job. Thank you. It's it's pretty solid. <laughs> Thank you. I really appreciate that. Yeah. So should we actually get into the real topic for tonight? Yeah, I think we As should. As if you couldn't guess from the intro, but it's about Empire Records. Do 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 do. Really? Segway! Yeah! Really? Did you? I, don't, well, I don't think we need to. We, well, I don't we, think we need to. Yeah. <laughs> Damn it, I wanted to! <laughs> we only need to do that when we don't really have a real segue. We had a segue because yeah. you mentioned Empire Records. Mm-hmm. Fine, then I Sean... I pause to it because we need to do a detour for Fine, Sean, cut it. that out then. No, no, keep it. Fine, like cut it. out me saying cutting like out <laughs> and this cutting out too. I like it when it's awkward like that. Please, for the love of God... <laughs> We just got back from break. We're not used to how we do this anymore. <laughs> I haven't seen a mic in front of my face in three weeks. <laughs> However, other phallic objects. <laughs> no, I'm totally kidding. And a guy please, named Mike. <laughs> please cut that out. <laughs> so no, over Kevin's break. Kevin. Yeah, 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 I saw a, a lot of dong. Mike. <laughs> God. Welcome 
Which one are we at at this point? We all had. We, I feel like we've all had like three glasses of wine. Uh, I think I'm on four. Yeah, on four. Uh, that is have... three too too few. Let's get this going. Yeah, yeah. We still have more. <laughs> oh Jesus. Oh my God. Um, Der Garçon. Uh, so let's talk about Empire Records, please. Let's we can talk this. about this from several different perspectives. We can talk, look at it as more of an ensemble film. We can look at it as a teenage film. But I think the biggest genre that we're looking at is it's very much a day-in-the-life 90s Gen X film. It is a very special kind of brand. I would agree with that because, mm-hmm. I mean, what, we were talking about this before we, we recorded. That yes. You're saying that technically the John Hughes kind of, uh, as uh, Michael Aronson called it, Rick the Passage movies, uh, are also considered Gen X films. Yeah, so... When we're looking at Gen X films, not to say it five times in a row, we're looking at movies that are made by Gen Xers. So a gen, the Gen X gen, generation is defined as people born from 1965 to um, you know the early 80s. So, so 65 to 85. Ish. Basically. Yeah, yeah. So um, technically, we're on the. I'm, a, I'm on. I'm an 85 kid, so I'm on the cusp. You're I'm on right, the cusp. Yeah. Of being a Gen X and Gen Y. I'm just post. Gen X, so technically yeah, I'm Gen here. Y. However, I will say that I grew up on Gen X movies, and so I yeah. kind of feel like my heart. So we're spiritually we're Gen X. Yeah. yeah. But by the way, I was told that every generation is ten years. So what makes that's not necessarily true because the baby boomer generation is from about 1945 to twenty is, is a more. Okay. It depends on your definition, actually, because yeah. there are some. There are some culture scientists who have changed it to be ten years as of recently. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But. Because I feel like, honestly, the kids who were born 10 years after me are very, very different. Sure, sure. Yeah, but I do understand why the old setting precedent was in place. Right, right. And I don't feel that far removed from people who were born in 81, 80, or in the late 70s. Well, you and I both have older brothers who were born in the early 80s, and I, you know, I feel like I'm totally on the same wavelength as my big brother. Right. So, anyway. the, The idea, though, is that these are people who... We're not necessarily old enough to participate in the hippie movement. These are people who are not old enough to really know the 50s as it was growing up as a child. But these are people who have been who have seen their parents and their older siblings be completely disenfranchised with the American dream. These are people mm. who grew up knowing what Vietnam was because their childhood involved Vietnam. Um, this is these are people who knew the the 1970s energy crisis. These are people who knew Nixon. You know, this is this is the the time that they were growing up in, and what they were seeing was the American dream, the the suburban suburban. Um, I like suburban better, actually. Suburban right? good. Suburban that, that good. does sound fancy. Kind of like how Canada, I think it should be Canadia, because it sounds more like a country. <laughs> totally agree. <laughs> Even though I love Canada. But these are people who, who saw that fail and saw their, um, you know, wildly rebellious older siblings get trapped into being yuppies in the 80s, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, these are these are people who are influenced by movies like Easy Rider, Rebel Without a Cause, yet they get to a point where they feel so completely disjointed from their own parents that they're now creating their own sense of community. And that's a, th- a theme that you see in a lot of Gen X movies, yeah. like Breakfast Club, 
singles as they get older things like office space office space is oh totally meant God. that is a movie meant for gen xers for sure no question who um, like who've hit the early 30s yeah yeah um sure. fight club these are these are actually movies where people are actually generating their own sense of community and these are movies that are made by gen x directors yeah and gen x aged people and Empire Records is one of the movies that does that. These are people who are respecting their own individuality, but at the same time appreciating others' individuality and using that as a means of empowerment, as a means of, of creating their own sense of community. Whereas if you look more like the baby boomer, boomer generation, uh, that was all about conformity. Yes, and, and it's debatable that, that Gen Y people are more about conformity now, and maybe it's kind of cyclical and it's kind of um, going up and down. But that debate is being had as well. It's interesting. Mm-hmm. I always heard that, what was it, the baby boomers set the rules, the Gen Xers broke the rules, mm-hmm. and the Gen Y people will rewrite the rules. Oh, that's interesting. Wow, yeah. that's deep. That's really deep. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. That's up to your elbows, deep. Nerds on philosophy. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about Empire Records then, specifically this movie. It has Renee Zellweger and Liv Tyler before they were, like, vastly popular. Yeah. I think this is Liv Tyler just coming off the Aerosmith videos. I would agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I keep for forgetting sure. that she was in His, those music videos. Well, she's Empire Steven Records Tyler's daughter. Was, oh, I know. Yeah. yeah. Empire Records was 95, was it? 95? Empire Records was 1995. Bingo. The same year that Toy bing, Story bing. came out and Independence Day? And Batman Forever. And Batman Forever? As well. Whoa. Uh, and 94, I believe, was Clueless. So this is kind of like, mm-hmm. these are the movies from my childhood. Yeah, absolutely. Very frequently. Of course, I mean, uh, along with like Wayne's World 2, Wayne's World 1. and Wayne's World, arguably a Gen Excellent. X movie. Oh, no question. Yeah. No question. Um, Ethan Embry. Was in this one, of course, prior mm-hmm. to Can't Hardly Wait, which is another really good movie yeah. from our generation. And Can't Hardly Wait, he had matured a little bit. In this one, mm-hmm. he was definitely a oh, he was he a one year teenager. He in this played one. the epitome of a stoner. Of stoner and like listening to metal, slacker and, and awesome. His fantasy sequence where he's imagining that he was like with Guar. Yeah, that whole segment on the TV is freaking dope. And I actually, I, the funny thing is, is that was my first context of Guar. Flash forward. About 12 years later, and I was working a Guar concert at uh, at my old job. I did, like, I was, like, road crew or house crew, I should say, for, uh, for a Guar show. It was freaking disgusting. If, you've ever get, if you ever get a chance to see Guar live, it is one of the messiest metal shows you will ever see. Because they have, me. like, fake blood, fake urine, crazy props, just as ridiculous as it looks. In that TV sequence, that TV fantasy sequence. Does someone get eaten by a Vance flytrap character? <laughs> yes. He yeah, freaking, sure. like, beheads a dragon on stage and, like, blood flies out. It's yeah. ridiculous. He, well, it's theater is what it really is. Yeah, he walked out with a giant prosthetic dong and balls and Jeez. peed on the, on the audience. Oh Holy God. cow. And I thought... Um, Gallagher. <sighs> yeah. I thought it, he was messy. It is the Gallagher of metal shows. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God there were no watermelons in that audience. Who knows what would have happened. Yeah. But um, also we have um, Robin... I don't even know how to pronounce her last Tooney. name. Tooney. Okay, Robin Tooney, who was in um, The Craft, which the is Craft. another And she's more frequently movie. now seen on The Mentalist. Yes. Right. Absolutely. Of, uh, on CBS, yeah. And I thought she did a fantastic job. I mean, she hell, she shaved her head. Yeah, she did the total. She was great at playing the whole fuck everyone kind of mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. social, anti-social person. Yeah. 
Um, and then, well, Liv Tyler's character was totally drugged out. Yeah. Which was awesome, but she was on like uppers, so she was, and she was trying to, uh, she's Harvard bound, so she's like. Jesus. Yeah. You've also got a couple of really good cameos by, uh, well, not cameos, but you have Anthony Napolia, mm-hmm. who is the owner yes. of Empire Records, right? Joe. Or, that, or the manager, sorry. Joe. Joe. And then Debbie Mazar, too. Mm-hmm. Makes a great little cameo. As Jane. Jane. And I gotta say, I loved her in that movie because before that, the only movie I'd seen her in was Beethoven's Second. Oh, she was, shit. Where she was the, the villain. That's right. Because she's so good at playing a bitch. Yeah. But if you ever listen to her, like, in person, she is such a nice person. Oh, really? Yeah, she's totally, yeah, she's just, she just because well, she's she, got this New York accent, she just sounds yeah. brash. Jane is super duper sweet as a character. Exactly. She's totally adorable. Very, very sweet. Very kind of unassuming. Exactly. But spirited. Right, which I really appreciate. Right. About and I, that. I really enjoyed that she's, I, that even at age, a young age, looking at her on screen, saying, "Oh, she's a really good actress. Mm-hmm. Like she's got this ability to be show her versatility." Yeah, yeah. And we also have, of course, some of the boys, Lucas and AJ and Warren, good old <laughs> Warren, who was giving a fake name. He said his name was Warren Beatty because right. he was yeah. he was caught <laughs> stealing. And he didn't want to give his real name. <laughs> Always play with their minds. <laughs> the fat man walks alone. <laughs> um, so, I don't know. So who would you kind of say is your favorite? I mean, it's an, it's an ensemble piece, right? And it's about a record store. And it's, again, day in the life. And you have all these kind of ragtag kids working at the store. And it's, of course, Rex Manning Day. <laughs> right. Which uh, played Manning by day. Maxwell Caulfield. This guy comes in. He's a from washed- Greece too. Yes, I know. He's a washed-up pop star. He's got a. He's doing a record release, so he's doing a signing and an appearance. But nobody, like nobody, really cares except for like a bunch of middle-aged women. And at the same time, Lucas, one of the characters, was given permission the night before to close the store. Right. Yeah. And he gambles away all the money for the yeah. store. I think what? my favorite moment is when they're yeah. doing the book signing, and the woman comes and sings the opera version. And like she does this whole big note and then like Mark just starts clapping. Yeah. <laughs> Mark being the stoner like being metal Ethan head. Embry, yeah. Exactly. Um and so so you know we kind of have these weird situations. Uh again Lucas um gambled away all this money which kind of jeopardizes the store. And then, you know, Deborah's character uh, is, you know, suicidal and she comes in and um, she her wrists are bandaged because she attempted suicide the night before. Which we don't find out till later. Yeah. Um, Renee Zellweger is um, kind of dealing with being known as more of a nympho and just there's all kinds of random story plots that are happening, mm-hmm. which is actually probably one of the biggest criticisms of the movie. I know um, critically, this is not a good movie. Like, critically speaking, it was heavily panned. If you go on to Rotten Tomatoes, it's like 27%. Metascore currently has it at 30. That oh. is that is hogwash. And, you know, I'll explain. Mm-hmm. If you see the uh, special edition version that they released years later, the plot is a lot more cohesive. I would say that, yeah. They only add, like, another 10, 15 minutes to the mm-hmm. movie. But it was enough that it really... Made a difference. Made a difference. Yeah. It, it agreed. This is one of those movies that definitely studio had final cut. Mm-hmm. And they cut it for time, probably more than anything. And they cut out key elements that really just asked sure. with the story. Hmm. So I think things that are really important to know about this movie as far as it being a Gen X movie is, again, sense of community. Mm-hmm. Sense of these angsty individuals who are dealing with a lot of problems. And, yeah. again, being disenfranchised with the American dream. Mm-hmm. And also, 
as it's pointed out, damn the man. That is totally a major aspect of this is that they were they are an independently owned and independently operated record store. Or no, they're part of they're owned, but like it's being bought out by a bigger franchise. By Music Town. By Music which Town. Which is basically the the equivalent of like Tower Records. Yes. For those time. who remember Tower Records, I good missed, on you. For those I, who don't, read a fucking history book. I kind of <laughs> miss Tower Records a little bit. I mean, yes, you know, damn the man. But still, it was good music like you could find at a Tower Records store. Sure. Yeah, um, absolutely. So, the, yeah, so they were being bought out instead of being more independent. And mm-hmm. hence why they have like a nice big right. money-raising event they have at like the little, end. Like a, an off, a literally like an, an off-the-cuff uh, concert, benefit concert mm-hmm. that's done by one of the band members who works at the store yes. as a cashier. How convenient. How convenient, exactly. <laughs> uh, just kind of throwing it at the last possible moment. There's no even planning on it. Mark just takes control. No, absolutely. So first off, let's let's t- backtrack for a second yes. because how do we get to that point, right? Um, it's definitely an ensemble piece. Mm-hmm. You talk about Lucas. Yes. Lucas, his clothes one night, of course, he loses all the money in, in mm-hmm. Atlantic City. So then the rest of the day, it's him, it's him dealing with it, of course. And he's glued to the couch. He's glued to the he's couch. He's not allowed to leave the couch. So anytime when he gets up to leave the couch, he picks up one of the cushions <laughs> and takes it <laughs> with him. Brilliant. So he's still technically part right. of the couch. <laughs> he, he redeems himself slightly in the eyes of uh, of Joe because he, he helps catch a shoplifter who yes. was worn, as we talked about mm-hmm. before. So a lot of this is that we we've talked all about that, but there's also AJ uh, who uh, is played by Johnny Whitworth. Thank you, Johnny Whitworth, who is in love with Liv Tyler's character, mm-hmm. and um, Liv Tyler being Corey, being Corey exactly, and so he he contends that this will be the day he professes his love mm-hmm. to her, and she's all hot for Rex Manning. Oh yeah, she's Lord got like a fat. Why. Well, she's got a fat childhood crush on him. So right, yeah. We'll just speed things forward a little bit. So Rex Manning shows up. As you talked about, it's not going over all that well because no one really cares about him except for a bunch of middle-aged women. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Liv, Liv Tyler insists on giving uh, his lunch, her lunch. Quite forcefully, she insists. Right, to Joe. She even yells, I'm bringing Lex's lunch! It's um, kind of scary. <laughs> and then she literally throws herself. Oh, no. She, she, like, she strips down to her underwear. She strips down and, and she's going to lose her virginity to him. Yeah, that's that's the big thing. She's like, she was like, I am saving myself for Rex Manning. Here is my opportunity. And then, and he's just such a he's douchebag because he just unzips his pants and says rock and roll and just totally ruins the moment. Yeah, and she's just like, and eh, never mind. So she she runs out. Right, and then that's when AJ chooses to profess her his yes. love for her. So total clusterfuck. And she's like, I can't handle this right now. Exactly. And then her friend stabs her in the back and then sleeps with him. Renee Zellweger, Gina. Yeah, she yeah. fucks him on the coffee machine, mm-hmm. which is just totally wrong. Again, here. she's kind of, but she's also dealing with the fact that she's kind of a stereotype. Like when Liv Tyler is saying, I couldn't go through with it. And she says to Gina, I'm not like you. Right. I can't do oh, this. Unlike me, Gina, the turbo slut is what yeah. she says. Yeah. Yeah. It's, is it bad that I can actually still quote that movie? No, it's not bad at all. It's amazing. But, thank you. It's a little bad that you're quoting the girls' lines, but that's fine. <laughs> I, I quoted the guys' lines, True. too. Fair enough, fair enough. Um, <sighs> Jesus, give me some credit. So who would you say is your favorite character in this ensemble It's a tie. It's a okay. tie. For wittiness, easily Lucas. Uh-huh. Lucas is amazing. Yeah. For the hopeless romantic, though, AJ. Oh, really? Yeah. It's To me, it's the tie between those two. I would totally say that Mark is probably my Mark's, favorite. Mark is is the comic relief. He's flipping hilarious, but also not only is he like the 
the comic relief, like when he looks to the camera, he's like, it's Rex Manning Day. Like, <laughs> I love that. True. But also the, and this is actually what makes me love him, is the scene when it's a musical montage and people are just kind of working the store. You're just kind of watching them work the store. And there's the girl who is dressed as a ballerina. And you can tell she's kind of like either going to or coming back from dance practice. And she's listening to the music on the headphones. Like right, back when these right. stores had headphones that you could just kind of go and listen these to music big before. Old, the headphones, they're now fashionable for yeah. us to be wearing without being in the record. Yeah, God, it, were it they beats, ugly in the 90s? Beats by yeah. Dre before they were Beats by Dre. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And she's, um, she's listening in this booth area and she's kind of like dancing to the music but like with her eyes closed she doesn't really know what's right. happening and this whole montage of everyone's absolutely just like, yeah and mark is kind of like coming by and he's like dusting by her <laughs> and he notices like her and how pretty she is and she like kind of like lifts up her leg doing like a, a really nice extension and point and he like lifts up her leg and he's like kind of like caressing her leg and then she notices him and so he just kind of <laughs> pretends to dust her leg and then keeps on going. That whole part, like, makes me I just adore him. It's Chaplinian almost in, yes. his, in, in its humor. Absolutely. It's beautiful. It's such a beautiful scene. It's wonderful. I think my favorite scene with Mark is the whole, I've decided I'm going to start a band. What are you going to call it? Uh, I'm going to call it Mark. <laughs> is that Mark with a C or Mark with a K? Well, <laughs> my name, Mark... Is, uh, is with a K, <laughs> but but I'm gonna make it mark with with a C, so it's got that total like psychedelic trippy element. To it. <laughs> <laughs> so stupid, but it's amazing and yes. brilliant. Yeah, and it's it's a total like nod to like the prog rock movement. Yeah, oh absolutely, <laughs> yeah. absolutely. Oh my god, it just so that this movie is so good. Exactly, I I think it was in a way it was almost too smart. It was too smart for the audience they were marketing it for. Because lo- looking back at it now. The humor still holds up, and it's mm-hmm. like, oh my god, this is this is a total social commentary, yeah, on that era mm-hmm. and that generation. And yet, I think it was too. I think the people going in at that time, if I was a if I were a fifteen year old living in the mid nineties, wanting to go see that movie, I probably wouldn't have gotten it. I, or, so I mean, you think I, maybe it was too close to home? No, okay. Because there's definitely plot points that are that are relatable, mm-hmm. but I think just it was the person who was writing it was thinking. Two steps above. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, so here's something kind of interesting. As I was thinking about Gen X movies, let's look at the musical Rent. Fair enough. That's okay. Wow. That's this early. is like listening to your conversation. I'm just going to put this out there. Hearing the descriptions and awesome bits from this movie totally reminds me of Rent in a in a total generational okay. uh, connection. Exactly. So, exactly. And it's supposed okay. to. Yeah. Rent, Good. Rent is a Gen X musical. Yeah. It is a Gen X Broadway show. Probably one of the ones that epitomizes that time so damn well. Particularly the late 80s and early 90s and living in the East Village. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Here's the problem with the Rent movie. Made way too late. With some of the original Broadway cast, if I'm not mistaken. Almost all of it. Yeah. Yeah. With the exception of Rosario Dawson. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because she was not the original. Rosario? Yeah. She was not the original original Mimi. Okay. Yeah. Mimi. Anyway. Um... (laughs) God, I love that musical. Um, but I hate the movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, the funny thing is that Chris, Chris Columbus grew up. And was did living Mrs. Doubtfire. In, yeah. Um, was and living, Harry Potter 1 and 2. Mm-hmm. Sure. But to him, that was a very personal film because he was living in New York. Right. In the early 90s and late 80s. For being so personal, yeah. it felt so completely unemotional. Mm. Which is sad. And 
I feel like, again, I feel like that movie was made too late. If that movie had been made in 95... Sure, it yeah. Would have been or even totally, 2000. I think it would have been a completely different story. I think it would have been much more relatable and much more appreciated. Maybe, I think, with Empire Records coming out in 95, it could have been a little too close to home, but it was sh- very shortly thereafter that it really picked up more of a cult following. Yeah. This is one of those movies This is a that, cult movie. Sure. Yeah. And this is also a time period, just to speak culturally, that VHS had really hit its stride, too. Yeah. And wait, I wait, feel like VHS or VH1 you're talking about? VHS. Okay. Where I think this is one of those many movies in the mid-90s that found its audience really on VHS more mm-hmm. than it did in theaters. Sure. Because I don't even remember it being in theaters. It was like, it was it came and went very quickly. I was too, I mean, really, we were very young in 95. Um, True. I'm sorry, let's see. That was one, two. You were like two. I was seven. <laughs> Shut the hell up. I was seven years old. Um well, the thing that I, I just want to just jump back to Rent for just a moment is that this was a play that was very, it seemed like it was very underground, but at the same time uh, servicing mainstream to a degree, whereas with the movie, it's like, oh, hey, remember how much you loved about this play? Well, here's the movie as we're trying to homage it, even though it's about the same thing. Mm. I, I got that weird vibe. Unfortunately, I've not been privileged enough to see Rent in a Broadway setting. I only saw the movie. And I've seen it live. You have? Mm-hmm. Not, not on Broadway. I saw it in San Francisco. Oh. And then, I, then Brian and I actually saw the kids' version. What? The, weren't you there for that one, Brian? Go on. We saw this, the the children's musical theater version. Or were you not there for that one? That was one? not me, no. Okay, it was somebody You've got to be kidding me. There's a junior version of it. There's, it was a, like... there's a junior version of Rent, which is freaking really bizarre. Because can I just say, one, they'll let the girls kiss, but they won't let the guys kiss. Oh, give And it. also... And there's no AIDS in it. The, well, no, there's AIDS. <laughs> there's AIDS. The drug use is implied, but no not sex. explicitly addressed. The sex is toned down. Clearly, they don't talk about dildos and whatnot in it um, as it's much like as one would like. It's like the It's like, why? Why, yeah. why do it? It's a little weird. That yeah. is it's a weird. weird. Yeah. Jesus. It's, it's the vanilla version. And having a bunch of 12-year-olds who, doing the children's musical theater company out here, they're all very privileged children. Yep. They have no Ooh. concept of what oh, homelessness no. is really about. And so, you know, clearly oh, that no. didn't translate very well. <laughs> yeah. However, they have amazing singing voices. Oh, fantastic. For they sing like are, little cherubs. So little, little, <laughs> little, 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 little side note here. For those who don't live in the San Francisco Bay Area, we have a little company called CMTSJ. Mm-hmm. was pretty much a conservatory for Broadway because uh, yeah. they've turned out so much talent out of the show. Plenty of people who I went to high school with who have gone on to be on Broadway shows. Mm-hmm. The cool thing is that they cast every single person who is, yep. who is in their productions. They find their own way. Mm-hmm. But the people who are really talented, they develop, and they get some crazy talented people. Absolutely. Like, people who you hear them sing, you're like, I'm listening to a Broadway show. And yeah. you're not. You're seeing, you're seeing 18-year-olds mm-hmm. <laughs> perform theater. Um, total anomaly for our area. And totally spectacular. A random tangent for us. <laughs> it is a completely random tangent. I apologize, but you know, it, I bring putting some color to what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. So there you have that. Why was this was this podcast too white for you? <laughs> it was a bit. Damn. It, was a bit it was a bit drab, a bit black and white. Bringing a real <laughs> here. But as we mentioned in the beginning, one of the most defining aspects of this movie, and probably a lot of other Gen X movies, certainly, 
was the soundtrack. Yeah, absolutely. There are so many songs that I remember were hits on the radio that ended up in this movie. Mm-hmm. And that's no accident. Now, Warner right, Brothers right. was the one who produced and distributed this movie, and also the ones who ran the soundtrack, and they really knew what they were doing. Yeah. So, I mean, there were so there were the ones that were on the soundtrack, and there's 16 tracks on Absolutely. that. Absolutely. And the bands on the soundtrack, ring of the 90s. Oh, Could, yeah. Let's run a few of them off just so we can uh, Again, start. Gin Blossoms, Cranberries, Toad the Wet Sprocket, Better Than Ezra, um... Uh, Kylie Shivers was, was you know, relatively famous-ish one. Um, Cracker, Drill. Um, Sponge. The, yeah. I don't think Sponge actually made the actual soundtrack. They're I'm in t- the movie. I'm, yeah, I'm talking about the actual disc. Yeah, that's kind of ridiculous because when you're talking about the soundtrack... There was... Okay, so there were only 16 tracks on the soundtrack, but there were like some 20-something that did not make the cut. There were two songs actually in the movie by the Cranberries. Only one of them made the soundtrack. Um, right. Again, Guar. Yes, um, Sponge. Um, Flying Lizards, Money, That's What I Want. That is a, a classic one. Yeah, there's, there is a ton of music in that movie. Yeah. Adolescence, Dire Straits, uh, Video Killed the Radio Star by the Buggles. Of course. Suicidal Tendencies. Yeah. Huge band. Yeah, you know what movie it reminds me of? Mm. High Fidelity. Oh, my God. Oh, John what? Cusack and High Fidelity. Why do you guys make me feel so terrible? I haven't seen that either. Yeah, oh my Get the fuck out of this that room. Is, no. Ladies and gentlemen, Kevin. for the second time this evening, you, you have been fired. awesome. <laughs> you, 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 are, your tower. you are double fired. Wow, ladies and gentlemen, this is my closeout. So I just want to give a shout out to all my peeps and homies that really respect me and everything. Take I want your time. Really, who are those people? Never on the mic. I figured as who much. Who fucking respects the guy who has not seen High Fidelity or Empire Records? Well, apparently you guys don't. <laughs> Insert Charlie Brown music. Aww. Sad Charlie Brown music. <laughs> High Fidelity is one of those movies. <laughs> I just got this image of, of Michael Sarah with his head down. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Arrested Development reference, absolutely. Please oh. continue, Sarah. Sorry. I'm just saying, High Fidelity is one of those movies, also, again, appealing to the same Gen X crowd that just needs to be seen. Probably one of the most standout performances by Jack Black. I was about to say, he's totally in that fucking movie. And he's really good in it. Ah, why haven't I seen this movie? And, John, and that's, that was the first movie we realized, holy shit, he can sing. Right, right, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Before um, Tenacious D fell, or formed? Not, no, not, not Tenacious true, D was already formed. They were already an HBO series. Yeah. yeah, but most yeah. Had, but it was flying under the radar, though. It was, it was actually after High Fidelity that people realized he could sing, and then they started paying attention to yes. Tenacious D. Excellent. Um, Catherine Zeta-Jones is in that movie. What? And she's yes. really good. Yeah, she plays yes. one of John Cusack's ex-girlfriends. Lily Taylor's in that movie, too. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Who wasn't saying anything with it. Arquette is... Awesome in that movie. Yes, clearly. Wait, was was Joan Cusack in that one at all? She was. She yeah. must have been, yeah. Because, I mean, Joan Cusack is... <laughs> you fucking asshole! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's a good movie, and... It feels like, even though I haven't seen uh, High Fidelity, it seems like School of Rock is, like, a tribute to that movie, in some mm, ways. No. No? No, no very, okay. very different. Well, I haven't no. seen it, so uh, that's just the vibe that I was getting. High Fidelity is very much, like... So all of the 80s John Cusack movies, this is definitely like John Cusack grown up. Okay, so what are you doing on Friday? Because I think we need, you need to come um, over, or I need to come over to your house. We need to watch this. This does have to happen, but... Movie watching party? Movie watching party? But I have plans on Friday. Damn you, Remy, a social Plug. life. <laughs> <laughs> I actually did just throw something at him. <laughs> you actually did make contact, is he all right? Because of the hunk of saran wrap, I think he's fine. <laughs> Don't you know he's allergic to saran wrap? Oh, okay. It's like his. Break it out. 
<laughs> my throat is closed. <gasps> no, that's not funny to joke about. Oh, I, I retract okay. that joke. Okay. But we will have to do a movie night marathon soon. Yes, absolutely. Uh, and, and, and John Cusack is one of those great Gen X actors. Absolutely. Like, uh, yeah. And I'm pretty sure that in almost every single movie that he's... That he was in when he was in his heyday, maybe not so much now, but in his heyday at least, he's pretty much epitomized like every single version of the dream man that I could ever want. I love John Cusack, especially in 2012. Miss Ashley can be reached at blank blank drive, Campbell, California. <laughs> Blank, 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 eight. <laughs> okay. That was really bizarrely accurate. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> um, no, uh, John Cusack and Say Anything is, like, it. it. Totally it for Sarah when I was in high school, and, like, that is what I wanted. Now I want a guy with a little bit more direction in his life. But, you know, yeah. whatever. <laughs> There's only one scene from Say Anything, since we're talking about Gen X movies. Mm-hmm. That I that still st- I mean of course there's the iconic him holding up with the stereo and their their Playing, song uh, Peter Gabriel and I fucking adore Peter Gabriel. Mm-hmm. Mm. Oh wow! Actually, <laughs> what a sigh. The, the one scene I have I do remember of them that I I remember is it's a very intimate personal scene and it's it's mm-hmm. it's mostly quiet. It's um. It's when Cusack and Ioni Sky are holding each other, and it looks like it's after been some after some form of intimacy. Oh, in the back of the car. I think so. Yeah, they look they look like they've been or are. It was in the back naked. of the car, <laughs> and that was actually when the Peter Gabriel song plays, and they're yeah they're having a moment. No, this is after that. This is after they've <laughs> oh, after that. relationship. Okay. It's a different moment than that. Yeah, a different moment than that. Okay. Sarah just Sarah just got a little moist. I think. <laughs> Oh, my panties just disper- disappeared. Where'd you go? Oh, my God. <laughs> this is centigrated. I'm oh, you like your humor blue, folks, because we are indigo at this point. <laughs> um, oh, wait. Or, or when you're talking about the moment when they're in bed. Are you talking about the moment when they're in bed? Yes. Ah, in his, like, house or whatever. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Or post-bed. It's, it's, it seems like it's a post-sexual moment. Well, no, no, no. But they were in bed. Yes. They were physically in a bed. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's a brief moment, but it just, it, I don't know. Nope. Very cozy. Cuddling does something for me. Wow. <laughs> 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 it speaks, it speaks to me in an emotional way. Forget this. Let's move on. Okay. <laughs> Let's talk about other Gen X movies. Do you think Heather's is kind of... I think Heather's is a pretty good yeah, Gen X movie. Yeah, it is. I haven't seen Heather's, so... Well, well that's totally... You haven't seen Heather's? Oh, I, I haven't shoot either. Shoot me now, apparently. Wait, wait, wait. You guys are giving me so much shit. Even though I haven't said Heather's, meh to you. All this meh. <laughs> Christian Boo. Slater. Boo. Boo. <laughs> I still... I send that picture out on my text message of the old lady from Princess Bride whenever I'm booing anybody on of text message. Of course you do. Boo! As the receiver of many a boo, <laughs> I know this all to be true. Yes, you do. <laughs> we're spiraling. <laughs> we are, we are, we're beyond spiraling at this point. We're stuck in a fucking black hole. Right. Well, I, here's the thing though. We're all getting super freaking nostalgic about these movies yep. that meant a lot to us. I think Heather's is another really good version of a, a, or really good example of a Gen X movie. You have, again, kind of sort of rebelling against what is kind of considered a very status quo, val- like, 
maybe not entirely Valley Girl at that point, um, but stereotypical <laughs> popular group. And then you have this girl who's kind of going for the slacker guy instead. Slackers and stoners are like what Gen X was really about. Dazed and confused, wrapped up in one mm-hmm. type of movie. Yeah. yeah I'm going to throw another one out there for you. It's an early 90s movie with honors. Oh. That's you know a good yeah. Fudge cakes. I have not seen that either. Yeah. Um, Damn it. Brendan Fraser. And then what's her name from what? The Cutting Edge? Brendan Fraser? Moira Tierney, I think. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Um, Great movie. And it's oh also got that God. song by by Madonna that was that was like there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah, that mm-hmm. was like what sold the movie. All right, so I'm gonna throw two out there. Okay. Yeah. Ooh, one is not really Gen X, but it's close. Um, she's all that. Not Gen X. That's Gen, Gen y. That's that's what I thought. Gen Clueless. Y. Clueless kind is, of teeters. It, it, see, that's that's what I it's thought a cusp too. Movie. Because because that one is really more satirical, and also because it's uh, an adaptation of uh, Jane Austen by yeah, uh, yeah which, Emma which by Jane Austen. No way! Oh, you didn't realize Dude, that? Okay, no. Yeah. Know, to be honest, I didn't know it until I was in the script. Oh, okay, class. Okay. It blew my fucking mind. Yeah. Wow, um, Jane Austen actually interesting. What? I know, but here's the thing. So Amy you Heckling did not making, just say that in front of me. All right, I retract that statement then. Put your lightsabers away, folks. (laughs) (laughs) Well played. Well played. Um, But you see, Amy Heckerling was talking about, she was making a social commentary on Valley Girls. Yes, Which was was definitely an 80s Gen X. Would you say that it's an 80s? Absolutely. 80s and 90s. My stepmom. See, yeah, yeah, yeah. As somebody who's not grown up in Cleveland, I would... Or, I'm sorry, not grown up in California, but in Cleveland. I would totally associate that with a 90s vibe. It was a total... Common thing in the '80s for women whose last name ended with an E sound to change the to change their name to ending with a Y to ending with an I. Okay, so Amy was A M I, not Amy, not A M Y. Tracy was T R A C I, not T R A C Y. My stepmom and Tracy, if you're listening, forgive me, is T R A C I because of her living in the '80s because she was kind of a valley girl let's be honest all right that's yeah. acceptable then so and the, the fact that, that the character's name is share <laughs> yeah it's just total don't yeah. tell me they added an i to that to be no, sharing they, 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 no, they, no, they did not they, they no. didn't need don't. to because the farce was already the, the mm-hmm. it was it was already epitomized it was okay. already epitomized it was a share and then what was her friend's name um uh, dion dion but yeah they called her d and they talked about yeah my friend Dion and I are both named after singers who now do infomercials yeah <laughs> <laughs> or um oh freaking there was uh Amber, who was one of the side characters, but they were they right. called her Ambular. Ambular, exactly. <laughs> the moment when they're in like they're in gym class and they're playing tennis and Amber's like, um, my plastic surgeon says I can't partici- be active. <laughs> yeah, she's like she's like, I can't participate in any activity where balls fly at my face. And Dion <laughs> says, Well, there goes your social life. <laughs> and I never got that joke. Until this very moment, <laughs> and holy fuck, that's a great line. Oh my god, so, it's so good. good, so so good. Um, other oh really god. good Gen X movies. We kind of mentioned Reality Bites. Oh yeah, Ben of Stiller and Winona Ryder and Ethan Hawke. Like holy crap, Ethan Hawke. Three of like the most completely Gen Xy actors for yeah. the time. Yeah, and that's this is. About and Lisa like, Loeb's song, right? Yes, yes. Right? And these are these are post grads, like post college graduate people who are like, oh, now I have to face in their early twenties trying to figure out the purpose. No, I have to figure life. out adulthood, and it's all like angsty, and so it's mm-hmm. it's probably one of maybe not one of the better Gen X movies, but one of the ones that's definitely extremely Gen Xy, where it's just dripping sure. of it. Yeah. <laughs> um, another really good one, PCU. I'm not sure Jeremy how many. Piven, yeah. Jeremy Piven. Thank you. I'm glad that you. When noticed. he had real hair. 
Yes. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yes. Jeremy Piven, your hair does look awesome, as fake as it may be, but... I've and heard of PCU. I've seen the trailer for PCU. I've never seen PCU it. PCU is essentially the Van Wilder of the 90s. Yeah, no this way. Is one of I'm my totally favorite seeing ones. this then. This yeah. is one of my favorite ones. And because they basically pick out all the stereotypical groups for the time, including, like, the militant feminist and, like... The jocks. The, like, the people the who... The art students. Or, like, the go-back-to-your-Africa-roots-black-student-association kind of people. Seriously? Not, like, in an offensive well, this way. Oh, this okay. is post-do-the-right thing. So, so. so here's the Oh, my the God, thing. that movie. Oh, yeah. But continue. With this movie, it's called PCU for a reason because it teases and satirizes political correctness. Yeah. So and then the U is yeah. for university. Yeah. Okay. In a way it's actually I shouldn't say it's the Van Wilder of the nineties. It's actually the, the Animal House of the nineties. Yeah. No way. Yeah. yeah. Kind whoa, of. whoa, whoa. That completely Maybe changed not the as game. Good. I'm definitely looking this up. Yeah. Maybe yeah. not as good. But it but well, it's, it's not, Animal House is not as good. Animal House is Animal House. Yeah. Yes. There's no yes. comparison. Um but I will say that this movie definitely does have uh, George Clinton and Par- Parliament Funkadelic, so which what? makes it totally mm-hmm. fucking worth watching. Mm-hmm. Playing themselves. Um yeah. and I love the part when this, you know, frat house or whatever, this house of like slacker people. Again, slackers and stoners really make up Gen X characters yeah look at anything done by kevin smith and (laughs) (laughs) mr smith yeah and um there's a band and they cannot come up with their name so they decide that their like name after they're going to throw this crazy house party or whatever the name of their band is going to be everybody gets laid just so they can say tonight (laughs) everybody Everybody gets gets laid laid. I'm hey, sorry, everyone, every, we're all going to get laid. gets laid, but it's so flippin' funny. That is a good movie. All right. Yeah. Nice. Totally worth the watch. Nice. Yeah, absolutely. I love Gen X movies. Yeah. Ah, it, freaking it's, out. It's a great movie. And I believe the, the mother from Arrested Development is one Jessica of the... Walter? Yes, is, is one of the uh is one of the administrators in that movie. No way. She's, she's like kind of one of like the villain. She, she is so the villain awesome. of that movie. It, it, it totally works. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. David Spade's mm-hmm. in that. Say what? David Spade's one of the antagonists as well. Dang. And um, uh, Jean Favreau. Jean Favreau is kind of like the mm-hmm. jockey kind of character. No, 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 no. Jean Favreau is one of the the. His name's Gutter. He's one of the freaking stoner dudes who. He's the one who goes to the George Clinton show. Oh, that's and ends right. up getting I'm sorry. Banned. I, was mix, I was mistaking him with with his role in Rudy. My apologies. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Very very different. Uh, oh, very, I was very thinking different. of that's the right. He's got the long hair and the soul patch. The long mm-hmm. soul patch. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. right. Fuck, I gotta get my shit together. Yes, you do. I've had, two, I've had like five glasses of wine at this point. Get it together. So you have to forgive me. Well, there's still half a bottle, Brian. So. Right. Son of a bitch. Um, hackers. Oh, oh hackers, yeah. Mm-hmm. Johnny Lee Miller and Angelina Jolie, who got married after that movie, oh. by the way. They had a very brief marriage to one another. Hmm. Yeah. No Fun little factoid. Huh. I'm probably pretty sure that anything by Polly Shore really kind of counts. Oh, God. I hate sure. to say yeah, it, it but... does, but should we really count it? I <laughs> know, <laughs> right? Um, anything by Kevin Smith. Yep. Let's talk, let's talk Kevin Smith. Clerks. So what has turned into, originally, a love letter to Empire Records has turned into a love letter to 90s movies at this point. Whatever. Who cares? <laughs> it's art. Let's let it wash over us. Right? <laughs> this is... Okay, let's let's, Sorry, let's get just, real for a second. Speak, as Jelly Kevin Smith, just let it come all over you. Just let, just let it. <laughs> on your, oh, on, your <laughs> on your face, neck, and chest. Um, <laughs> let but let's get real for a second. This podcast was created to be a bunch of people talking about the thing that they love, which is movies. Yes, that is exactly what we're doing. It may may not be following a very clear tangent, 
But uh, I like it. <laughs> so we're just going to go it's with fine. it. It's fine. There is some sort of thread here. Sean will have to figure it out. Sean will have to at least enjoy the crap out of Yes, he would. Because he, he would want to be a part of this conversation, which okay, is a so shame. So Kevin Smith, I mean, this is a guy who he himself was, is, I mean, was a Gen Xer. He is. Is, is a Gen Xer. Was adrift in the early 90s. Saw uh, a Richard Linklater film. That wasn't Days and Confused. This is one right before it. This guy saw Slacker and said, I could do that movie. Goes to the Vancouver Film School, drops out halfway through a uh, one-year program because he was expecting technical knowledge and got theory instead. Mm-hmm. Takes half of his money, which is about five grand at this point, and goes and drops it into investing for his for first feature film. Mm-hmm. Sells his comic book collection. Ooh, oh! And then maxes out four credit cards, and together that would make, creates twenty-seven thousand dollars. And he goes and he makes Clerks, and Clerks gets marketed. Gets finally gets uh, picked up by a producer who can market it to the Sundance Film Festival. Mm-hmm. Goes to Sundance, it gets picked up by Miramax, gets released, and then he's off to the races. He was the one of three pivotal indie, indie filmmakers who came from nothing and accomplished everything. It's him, Robert Rodriguez, and Quentin Tarantino, and they all incidentally had their intro because of Harvey Weinstein. They all thanked Harvey huh. Weinstein for that. Yeah. Interesting. Smart, yeah. smart producer. And <laughs> played so producer. well by Tom Cruise in Tropic Thunder. <laughs> yeah. But all those three, of those three directors, Smith, I think, represents the 90s the most because he took the culture of what was it like just to be your middle class, everyday person just trying to get by, you know, trying to figure out what our purpose was, where, where, our, where our own through line was. And he personified that. In Dante and Randall and Clerks, and then also in Brody and um, mm-hmm. DS in Mallrats. Mallrats gets a lot of flack. I love Mallrats. I yeah, think same, it's a, same here. I think it's yeah. a great movie. Yeah, it's such a fun movie. Um, yeah. God, what's his name? Who voiced Syndrome in The Incredibles? Jason Lee. Thank you. Yeah. I yeah. love Jason Lee. Yeah. So prime. Yeah. Prime Jason Lee. Lois can never have Superman's baby's line or monologue. Yeah. Is one of the best monologues he's ever <laughs> written, next to the "I love you" speech from Chasing Amy. Um, and speaking, going back to Clerks for a moment, Clerks very much like Empire Records was a movie that was defined by its soundtrack. Yeah. The soundtrack really drove that movie. You know, actually, I would debate that. I would say that it's the dialogue and the conversations that people were having in Clerks that defined it. Fair enough. I would I would say that 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 movie was defined by script. Let, yeah, let, I, let I me concur. let me redefine. Let me re- rephrase what I'm saying. Um, I mean, we can agree that any filmmaker's job is to have the the soundtrack support the story. Yeah, correct. And it, Smith is super good. Yeah, at picking up the right songs at the right moment to the point actually where it, you do, where you don't notice it necessarily, and that's exactly. the key. And Smith is to me. Debatably the key, I should say. To me, you know, he never will take film by credit. He'll never say this is a film by Kevin Smith, because he doesn't believe in that. He believes that the film is everybody's, which is so humble. But if anybody deserves a film by credit, it's him, because he writes the film, he directs the film, and he edits the film. If anybody has control over the telling of the story, it is him. Unless it's Cop Out. Oh, no. Even Cop He didn't write Cop Out, but he yeah. did direct and he did edit it. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Um, oh, and there was that movie breaks my heart. I didn't even see it. It breaks my heart so bad. I, I actually like Cop Out, and I'll, I'll explain why <laughs> in a later episode. We don't need to talk about it tonight. It's not Gen X-y. We don't care. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, actually, in a way, it is, because it's a love letter to 80s cop, buddy cop movies. Yeah, okay. movies. But, you know, he's so good 
at picking a song that defines a moment. Um, I love the Berserker song, you know, the, in yeah. in Clerks because it's mm-hmm. that angry metal song, yeah. right? And it showed, and I think it was tied to a scene where Randall was just being malicious, right? And it's just, it's a beautiful, mm-hmm. uh, it's a beautiful tie into it. And he does it again in um, Clerks Two with the song "Frustrated Incorporated." Mm-hmm. It's the song that closes the movie. Yeah, so perfect. It is really good. So perfect. And then he has the 1979 song when Dante's giving his in Clerks Two when he's giving he's driving and he's kind of thinking and having that moment of realization that every protagonist has. In near the third act of a of a character piece, but um, he's just so good at that. And I, I, when I think of Empire Records, I think of that movie too because there are those moments where, like, um, when AJ spurns Liv Tyler's character, um, there's that song by Toad the Wet Sprocket that, mm-hmm. that's playing in the background, and that when they have the big montage where they got to get everything together and save the, the music store, then they have the song from Sponge, the Say a Prayer for Me song. Mm-hmm. Um, Crazy Life is the one by Toad the Butts Bracket. Thank you very much. And that one, to me, was what the 90s was all about, was picking these songs that, I mean, maybe it wasn't just the 90s. It may have been just But it's picking a mood. Picking a mood. It's picking a mood, which is pretty interesting because when we are looking at these movies, we're also looking at a time and a generation that's starting to become actually overly medicated because of the advent of Prozac. Dang. Interesting. Yeah. Right? Shit just got deep. Oh my god. Up to your elbows. What? <laughs> um inside joke. You know, you're really finding people who are struggling to feel something real, but at the same time afraid to feel it. Yeah. And that's kind of what, you know, if you look at um oh god, Bad Religion, 21st Century Digital Boy. I love that song. Yeah, it's a great song. I love Bad Religion also. Yeah. <laughs> total um Well, I mean, there's some, uh, was it, is it called Sorrow? Is yeah, it, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's um, iconic. But in this one, it, it definitely says, um, God, was it our, our daddies are on Prozac? Or, uh, it's something about being over-medicated. And so that's definitely something that's like very much epitomizes a time period of people who, again, are, are, are trying to cope. And at the same time, have all these conveniences, the advent of the personal computer and the, and the internet and trying to sort of deal with rapid fire change in a way that nobody's ever really dealt with since like the industrial revolution. Yeah. So that is super deep nerds on history. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. You just brought this podcast to a level that I never even thought we'd ever get to. That's amazing. I just made this shit classy. (laughs) As we hold our wine glasses. Well, you know, let's let's bring this home for a second Mm -hmm. because we, we, we've talked so much about music mm-hmm. with this podcast. And I feel like if there's ever a generation that you could think of, when you think of good alternative music, it's the 90s. Oh, freaking grunge and Alanis Morissette, Jagged Little Pill. Yeah. <laughs> I should say, I, should say, I mean, some people will argue whether it's good or not. But when you really think of the term alternative music. What do you mean, who argues that? Who oh, there are plenty of people who argue with that. But I don't. I'm not one of them, by the way. If you look at the term "alternative" as a genre of music, yeah, it may have its origins in the late '80s, but the '90s really defined it. Yeah, when it blossoms, exactly. Fully. Yeah, and you know, there are times where I want to go in my car and I want to, I want to turn up Jim Blossoms to the highest volume possible. I just find it interesting that those songs, like you could listen to like one of those, you know, these these top forty or these you know, mix stations. And you still hear songs from the mid to late 90s. Mm-hmm. There were these pop alternative songs. 
And there's something about them that is maybe simplified, but also emotional and very uh, true in a way mm-hmm. to to the human condition, if if you will. Yeah. And I'm I'm really glad that Hollywood took a moment to, or the directors who are working in Hollywood at least, were able to take these songs and work them into their stories in a way where it really defined those moments, you know, or helped define the moments. Yeah, and at the same time, these are this sort of thing is going to be what people are saying ten years from now about Juno and and, and uh, Garden State. Sure. So, but I would argue that Juno and Garden State wouldn't have been able to happen if it wasn't for these kind of films. I would you say know, the influence and, and these, of these films. And these yeah. movies would not have happened if it wasn't for Easy Rider. Sure. Know? Yes. Sure. Yes. Right. Of course. Completely agree. And Jack exactly. Nicholson in his fucking element. My mm-hmm. God. So I think I think that everything is influenced by prior, right? Well, of course. So it's it's history. Ah, <laughs> oh, it's cyclical. Yes, it is indeed. I love it. Indeed, we always have to look at where we came from, mm-hmm. and how. It, and it's also important to think about well, if this is where we are now, where are we going? Right? And you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see if there is the in the generation prior to ours you know, a sense of maybe angst or a sense of rebellion Yeah, that comes after us. I mean, I, I like to think I, I, you know, I'm relatively tame, but I like to think that I, you know, there's a relatively sense, uh, there's a strong sense of rebellion in me, but it's heavily influenced by these movies and yeah. by the generation that came before me and kind of my obsession with the sixties, which is really bizarre, but I'm really into it. <laughs> um, but at the same time, you know, the generation after us is going to be like, God, all of you guys were just, you know, glued to your Apple products, you know? <laughs> and so, and they're going to want to f- kind of fight away from that to a certain extent. Maybe. And yeah, we'll it's, see. It's yeah. bound to happen. Sure. Bound to happen. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm really curious to see where we go from here, you know, not just culturally, but cinematically, mm-hmm. because we've gotten to a, a point of such spectacle. Yeah. You know, not that we've forgotten good old-fashioned storytelling, because there's plenty of movies out there that still show that old style. But I'm just very curious to see, what what, what do we do from here? How does the old, emotional, character-driven stories, how do they survive in an age of spectacle? I, f- I feel almost like, I'm going to get really, really historical for a moment here. What's happening to the movies now is very cl- close to what was happening to theater when the Romans took over mm. theater. Because R- Roman theater was... The same stories the Greeks were telling, but it was you showed everything. The Greeks believed violence was obscene. Mm-hmm. Now you didn't see Oedipus gouge out his eyes or his wife Yocasta hang herself <sighs> uh, because the, they believed there was no place for it on the stage. No. Theater was sacred. Theater was a religious ceremony. It was Romans almost holy, <laughs> right? Romans didn't have any context of that. They were like, oh, "Fuck that! Let's just show it," and they did everything for real. Like they they would stage. No sea battles. They would flood the 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 stadium and do sea battles at stage. Unbelievable spectacle. And I feel like in the age of Transformers, and wow, uh, really? That's what you're going to classify this as? The age the, of Transformers? No, but in the age of grand spectacle for the sake of spectacle. Thank you. That's Transformers. Well, that's that's there are dozens of movies that yes, preach this, that. Like, this is uh, one that in particular does a really good job because the thing is, is it sacrifices storytelling for the sake of spectacle. 
Yes. Completely yes. and utterly, yes, it does. So now, that's a totally different argument than whether it's entertaining or not, because okay. it's still very entertaining. No, I did not debate that it was entertaining. Yeah, I said exactly. It for the but sake it of sacrifices story, story for spectacle. Mm-hmm. Completely and, and utterly. That's what I'm saying. And that's what I'm talking about, is when, how does storytelling survive? Who needs a character when you have robot balls? <laughs> Oh my god, please, not now, not ever. I I do not want to have that discussion. <laughs> so, I pose this question to our listeners, actually. Mm-hmm. What is your favorite movie from the 90s? How do you think... Or f- your favorite Gen X movie. For favorite yeah. Gen X movie. How do you think, as a Gen Yer or a Gen Xer, or even a baby boomer, how do you think these stories are going to, this type of storytelling, where you interweave really good contemporary music with your story... How is that going to thrive? Or is it going to thrive? Please share your feedback with us. We'd love to know it. You can go to neuronomy.com to do so by clicking on our listener feedback button. And um, if this is your first time listening to our podcast, hi, how are you? Welcome. Uh, welcome. Hola. Um, please, if you like this episode, subscribe to us. You can do so on both iTunes and on Stitcher Radio. Follow us, please. We like having followers, not in a creepy stalker way, but in a you know a casual social media way. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Brian Moriarty. You can find me at Sarah Ash sixteen. And Kevin hates Twitter, so you. Whoa! <laughs> I never say those words. I don't have a Twitter. But if you guys would like to. Let me know what you think of my Man of Steel review or other things. You can reach me at Kevin at Nerdonomy.com by email. You should also give us money. (laughs) (laughs) Segway! Yeah! Yes, you also noticed that on our webpage, thank you very much, Sarah. Uh, (laughs) What? I'm just putting it out there. You should also give us money. I think we should just cut and say, yeah, you should. (laughs) <laughs> All right, folks, good night. Good night. <laughs> you know. Yes, if you go to neuronomy.com and you click on our Donate Via PayPal button, you can give us a donation of any amount you feel necessary. Four or $5,000 would be appropriate. Um, but we'll also take four or five just you know, regular good old American dollars. You oh, take or a not. cent. Or not. A Euros, cent is sure, fine. whatever. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Zimbabwean dollars, sure, why not? Let's take it. We'll take it. <laughs> um, we, we really need an air conditioner uh, in our... Nerd Cave, and we're we're pretty much almost at the budget to be able to get one. We've also both, purchased both. a new computer. We just need to help pay that off too. Both Brian and Kevin have taken their pants off by this point because it's really warm in here, and I'm uncomfortable. So let's get an air well, conditioning. Well, it's because your unit. pants are stolen. You need to take those off too. No pants o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> Zip. Uh, <laughs> I resorted to shorts for this. All right. <laughs> and yet, that wasn't enough. Still. <laughs> so. Please, if you can find it in your heart to give us any sort of money, sort of money, it would be greatly appreciated. Um, even if it's a couple of dollars, you know, we understand. We have a lot of college students listen to our show. We had a guy who gave us five bucks, and it was super appreciated. In mm-hmm. regards completely, to the yeah, absolutely. We do this because we want to make sure we're giving out the best content possible. And you know, we've been funding the the budget for this for the first nine months out of our own pockets, mm-hmm. and it's getting a little tedious to do that. So, mm-hmm. any way you guys can help us would be super awesome. But no pressure. <laughs> and with that. And with that, good night, folks. We glad we hope you enjoyed our episode, and we look forward to hearing us next time. Same nerd time, same nerd channel, nerdonomy.com. Bye. Peace. And roll credits.
And now, famous movie quotes you should not say during sex. I wish I were big.